Like I looked mm. at the, ca- the sheet that Catherine sent, <laughs> and it said every parent must stay with a scout. So I'm like, "Whoo, yeah. <laughs> I'm free! Not, I don't have to do not it." Happening, yeah. Let's not right, encourage. Let's go. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat, and I'm Mike, and we. How have, the hell are you? <laughs> boy, do we have a show for you? Boy, do we? Uh, visit us on Facebook, Twitter. Apple Podcasts, where you can rate, review, and subscribe. Um, good reviews. We'll, we're going to read them on the air. Yeah, we would we would do, make that a segment, but we don't get enough of them. Right, we need more. <laughs> so, please, good ones, bad ones, funny ones, not so funny ones. We don't care. We don't care. Um, but visit us uh, on MiddleAgesRecovery.com. That's our brand new website. We've got a really cool feature that we want to incorporate into this show. Uh, it's the tell us your story. Yeah, we want to hear um, your story. So right on the homepage. We're getting tired of our stories. You go ahead and fill out your info. We'll keep it as anonymous as you want. Right. Um, and um, yeah, go for that. Uh, the website is cool. We're going to have some merch. Um, yeah, some- we got to do mm-hmm. that. We got to sit down and do that, right? Yeah, a really cool listener uh, reached out who has like a t-shirt uh, pressing Concern, I guess, is the uh, <laughs> 20s way to describe a business. Yes, indeed. And um, he sent me some pictures, uh, and it lo- looks like really cool stuff. He does other podcasts, and um, I'm looking forward to that. So that will be very cool. I would also mention that um, we're going to have a guest next week. Uh, Kathy Wilder is going to be uh, joining us. She was head of the Methadone Maintenance Program out in Suffolk County for a number of years mm-hmm. and is going to come and talk about uh, all of that stuff. She uh, ca- she was in the role of catching people who were trying to fake their urine tests. So you you, you could probably talk to her a little bit about that. Yeah, because I think I had one of the best techniques. Um, well, I don't know. Do you want to give it away? Uh, well, she's retired, so she can't catch anybody. Yeah, anymore. I, it's funny. That's one of those things that like I'm pretty much an open book about everything I've done. Um, there's of course a few like little. You know, there's there's things that like yeah, I would probably never want like to you know to say this about myself or like to admit there's definitely certain things. I think we've all got those, but, uh, trade secrets. Yeah. As they, as they are. So yeah. the exact methodology for faking, um, the urine tests, uh, I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready to release that. Spycraft. Uh, I didn't get, don't, I'll tell don't share it. I will tell you this much. I did not get it from the internet. I completely devised it on my own desperate addict, trying not to go to jail. Like um, philosophy, so you should write it in a Kindle single and try and monetize it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. tricks on how to continue using drugs by for four dollars and twenty cents. Nat from the podcast (laughs) Middle Age Recovery, recovering the Middle Ages. That's us. Um, What else is going on out there, Mike? Anything? What with life in the world? Oh, well, we world. We got uh, the the uh, the erection is still going on. I mean, the election. Yes, actually, it's the erection, right? The erection. If your erection lasts more than forty eight hours, it turns blue. Aren't you supposed to call a doctor or something? (laughs) Hey, oh, yes. So uh, I'm waiting to deliver that for a couple of days. Our team of Harvard and Yale comedy writers came up with that one, <laughs> sitting around a uh, 
meeting table. What I thought was interesting about, I mean, the election's fucked, right? Like, no matter what side you're sitting on, it's fucked. Like, yeah, um, pretty much, you know, lock and load. Wherever, you know, <laughs> it's it's getting pretty nuts out there. No but matter, you know, don't drink over it. Don't drink over it because no matter who wins, um, addicts lose every single right. time. I mean, you you know. And what you should also be mindful of the fact that no matter who wins the election, that the U.S. will have a teetotaler as president. Yeah. Both both, uh, both Biden and Trump have claimed to never have had a drink. I know. And I'm dubious of that because, you know, would you ever take anyone's like word for it? You know, like just being in addiction for so long. Nobody is honest about that kind of thing. Very, very few people. I, I mean, I'm attempting to be as honest as I can. And, um, but that has taken me lots and lots and lots of therapy and groups and, you know, internal discovery. And, um, and now I feel like I can be honest, but Hmm. I mean, maybe I just assume that uh, everybody is, is just hiding things too, just because that, that was what I was doing. I don't know. Trump seems like he's a pretty self-reflective guy who learns from his... Is that is that the word we're using for him now? Self-reflective? Um, I don't know. Uh, well, it is it is remarkable nonetheless. I mean, we all remember stories about um, President Ulysses S. Grant being a famous drunk. And right. Who else was a famous drunk? Like, is it Winston Churchill who He was a famous up? drunk. He also... Uh, Used to throw that quote around that quote around that he would never trust a person that doesn't drink, which I really I don't know. <laughs> so it's, funny, yeah. Um, um, so, I don't know where where does that attitude come from? You know, I mean, two thirds of Americans drink, right? So it's it's the it's the predominant. Yeah, it's you know, one of those things. It's like something you're comfortable with. You know, the people you hang out with, you're sharing drinks with. You know, your father or mother, you know, shared drinks with you. You cheers on your wedding night. You cheers when. The uh, Jets won the Super Bowl in 1974 so so, or something. It was way back <laughs> when. So, um, so if you reject that, you're rejecting a social um, norm. Right. Right. Um, and it's almost like, you know, if he's not drinking, like, what is he doing? Right. What, what's going on or here? Or is he silently judging us? And if he is, is there an well, element of yeah. of truth and and in that? And should I be judging myself? You know, that's really interesting. So you're sort of like, what, who does he think he is? And, and what is that saying about me? And, right. Right. You know, because how many times have you been to a party or something and people find out you don't drink or you say you don't drink and then people sort of surreptitiously, they'll do one of two things. They'll come up to you and they'll start trying to justify how much they're drinking. Well, I don't really drink. Yeah. I only drink here. Or that, or that, you know, they'll come up to you later and they're like, you know, I really need to stop drinking. How did you do that? You know, but, it's very, yeah. very few people are, are just sort of like, you know, ambivalent about it. Right. I mean, although maybe, maybe they are. And I've also been in situations where you, I, I say no to a drink and nobody gives a fuck. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. So. Um, our sort of our, I want to call them new friends uh, from the neighborhood that we've been, you know, parents of kids, our kids age in our neighborhood. Um, and so I've had the experience of, you know they're they're normal drinkers, sometimes heavy drinkers. Uh, one's an Irishman. Are uh, these folks uh, in your immediate neighborhood, like yes. down the block from you, like, like my the son. neighbors that you go to the barbecues and? Yes. Okay. And so we get together quite a bit, in, especially in good weather, uh, for barbecues and um, and all of that. And there's plenty of drinking. My wife, you know, my one of my neighbors is famous for his, you know, homemade mojitos. Famous um, for his. Homemade mojitos. He grows the mint himself, like the whole thing. <laughs> like it's amazing, right? And um, or prepares these elaborate, you know, 
beers with sugar on the rim. And he's, he's a consummate host. He's right. like exactly how I would imagine Bilbo Baggins would, you know, greet us as neighbors <laughs> if, he, if we were friends or family. That is a Hobbit uh, reference for those of you who are not into yeah. fantasy gaming and <laughs> stuff like that. What are you saying? I'm into fantasy gaming? Um, I played fantasy games with you just the other day. Right. So we can talk, we'll about, talk about that. We'll yeah, that's that. another yeah. obsession of mine. Um, but having said all of that, I've completely lost my train of thought. We were talking about... Oh, okay. we were talking about... So, so my trick for for getting free of people being pains in the ass. Wait, drinking. hold on. What? I don't want to leave. I want to do one more thing on the erection. Yes. I just want to note that both of those guys, Biden and Trump, yep. grew up in families that had alcoholism as a, a central component. Interesting. Um, Trump's brother actually died from alcoholism, and oh, uh, right, Biden's right. uncle was a heavy drinker, alcoholic, and he raised Joe from a young age. So wow. it. And it's interesting how that, oh, and uh, I read a quote in an article in the New York Times recently that um, that said that more than anything, they're not drinking as a testament to the nature of two fiercely ambitious men and their calculation that alcohol would put them at a disadvantage. Yeah, that's that, extremely interesting. interesting. Yeah, like. And I could see Trump being on that end, you know, like he, he's so, he needs to be in control of this wildly out of control personal and professional life. I mean, if you look at just... Control does seem to be a big theme running sure. through this, you know, well, presidency, but... It's like having, you see a rat in the subway and guess what? There's a <laughs> hundred thousand more. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the fact that, um, you know, the, the few things that we have seen come out about what has been going on personally and professionally, it, it leads you to believe that, man, it must be really crazy and bad and weird and, uh, I, yeah, if dr drinking obviously didn't make him feel better if he ever tried it or, um, but to stay on top of that, you, you know, I, I just thought it was really interesting that most people would say that not drinking puts you at a social disadvantage, you know? Yeah. I, but here right. they're saying that the, the calculation was that alcohol, drinking alcohol would put them at a disadvantage. Sure. Like so if you, you picture to, like, yeah. you know, if there's two businessmen meeting and they have a very important like thing to negotiate, mm -hmm. uh, you can see that the more sly and, um, you know, um, and a planning person would say, I'm going to just sip this a little bit. Let the mm -hmm. other guy get a little drunk right. sure. and take advantage. Yeah, and, sign here after um, the fifth, fifth drink. Look, yeah. to be in politics like Joe Biden has been for 48 years or something like that. Right. And then for Trump to miraculously emerge as a president out of virtually an, a Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live sketch <laughs> and actually do it. I right. mean, you have to have a certain level of... Uh, intensity and sobriety just to pull that off. I mean, how many people have stayed in office, uh, any kind of elected office, as long as Joe Biden? And how many scandals have we seen? Like, well, it depends on who you talk to, right? Well, even, even <laughs> I would the, argue none. But well, <laughs> pretty much none. But like even the ones like if you say, all right, I'm going to entertain that a little bit. Like mm -hmm. maybe like let's just say. Uh, and even then it's like, wow. I mean, that's, you know, compare that to, you know, six months in public office and the number of scandals that seem to appear. And you can say, you know, oh, that's all made up. It's all fake news. I don't know. But when you have 99 outlets compared to one or two saying the opposite, it makes you wonder. Wow. But political, political show now. I am not doing a political <laughs> show. Um, I love all of my Trump friends and all of my Biden friends. I love them equally. Um, sort of like my children. 
quit being mad at me and just love me again. And, and, and having said that, thank you, Dr. Phil. I don't know if we can afford to keep paying him, though, to just come on for a couple of comments. We may have to look at cutting our budget there. Um, Jim, Jimmy Carter was another dry... Yeah, he apparently was not popular in Washington because he kept a dry White House and yeah. the state dinners were also dry, which <laughs> you know, awesome. how anything got done in that administration, you know, is a, one wonders. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yes. I don't know. Uh, it's interesting. I, it is. And uh, the, the idea that people mm. operating on a high level think that alcohol is a disadvantage while people operating on a, a, you know, a low level, a low, a low level <laughs> think that helps. You can't, you know, alcohol is, is very important. It's just it's interesting. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know what to think about that. but. So that put me, you know, in a situation with these new neighbors that I didn't know that well where I knew off the bat because even six years ago, I was in the process of trying to stop drinking. So I would go for months at a time and and, and in completely in front of my wife, it was not, not allowed starting six or seven years ago. And so I had to, even if I wasn't, you know, actually staying sober while I was there, I had to at least appear to be. And so, uh, and I created a lot of nerves, but they're very cool people. And the first time I said, no, 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 I can't drink. Um, I'll just have, you know, whatever water's fine. Um, I got one, I get two questions from each neighbor friend. One was, um, well, you don't drink. Why? Why don't you drink? And I said, I used to drink too much and now I don't drink anymore. That to me is the perfect answer. And it ended. I haven't heard it again. Yeah. Every time I go to their house, they're greeted with a Mexican Coca-Cola or water or seltzer. And the other guy, I said, no, I'm allergic to it. Uh, when I drink, I break out in handcuffs. Mm -hmm. And then I got a laugh and then a look and then... The subject just got changed <laughs> like immediately. <laughs> right. And it's been years and I'm, I never feel uncomfortable not drinking. Very rarely do I wish I had a homemade mojito. One time I even asked him to make me a virgin uh, mojito and it just wasn't the same. It was good Sugar though. water, isn't it? Basically with the mint and, you know. Mint, uh, sugar, and ice is a virgin mojito, right? Yeah. Uh, something like that. I don't know. I think that sounds like it. But it, it wasn't very good. I mean... It, Whatever. It's not good either way. But, you know, that got me to thinking when we were, you know, we had Halloween. Oh, yes. We and, did have uh, Halloween. Yeah, so more drinking parents. I mean, it's just seemingly everywhere. Well, uh, our, our town, like many towns, I guess, has, a, has an area where the kids and the parents gather. Uh, you know, it's like five square blocks. It's flat. It's relatively uh, secluded from traffic. Yeah. So everyone just sort of gravitates down to this this one area, and it becomes sort of like a, a street party. Yeah. Even when I was a kid, around, when I lived around here, that's where we would go Flo to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I was about to say where the name of it, but that's not necessary. Right. Bed Stuy. Yeah. Okay. Right. Bed Stuy, Brooklyn. Right. Um, Bronx. <laughs> well, that was something something kind of different because when I was growing up, uh, we just stayed in our neighborhood, which was. The houses were far apart, like where you grew up. You yeah. know, and it was. It took work. I mean, you had to walk uphill in the snow. Yeah, it's ways a, it's a to quarter get like mile a to my nearest neighbor, baby Ruth. You yeah. know, <laughs> um, but now you can get a handful of granola and five pennies. You know, seventies. Well, <laughs> um, yeah. So, but so the fact that it is kind of secluded and uh, off, 
You know, I mean, secluded is not really the word I want to. There's not cars. Yeah, there's no cars around. It's all families. And the, the people that live there kind of, when they buy the house, they, somebody must tell them. This by is, the way, on Halloween, you're going to have to stay in your house. You better perform. Get, you know, eight hundred dollars worth of candy because yeah. it's going to be. So, but any all the adults walk around drinking uh, Some, alcohol, getting you know, absolutely fucking. Sometimes they have a wagon. I yeah. don't know if anybody out there has seen uh, this or done this. Well, I brought the wagon. Did you, are years. you the wagon bringer? I, I was one of the wagon bringers. <laughs> I just stuffed with beer and wine yeah. and what have you. <laughs> Um, but I noticed, uh, this, this time around a lot of, um, um, coffee, like mug, travel mugs right. that were, nobody was drinking coffee. Nobody. Of, you know, I knew a couple of the guys I saw that I know from scouting were a little, mm-hmm. a little banged up. I noticed. Um, Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I've learned to, sometimes I pay attention to that, but I really like when I get in, and this was a defense mechanism for me at family gatherings. Um, cause that's another thing that's coming up where it's just drinking everywhere. And, um, I always, this has been my technique is to focus on the children. Like the second, right. second I come in, I'm, you know, hello, hello. Uh, maybe I'll grab a Dr. Pepper or something. So I have something in my hand and I go straight to the cousins, the kids, I get on my knees. Hey, how are you guys doing? And I just, honestly, I go all out to hang out with the kids pretty yeah. much all night. And, um, that's a great strategy. It works. It really is. It works. What do I do? It helps when if you like no kids. kids. Yeah. <laughs> I love kids. And, um, you know, sometimes I, I have better conversations a lot of times with yeah. kids at these parties and these, um, than the schmucks running things. Um, <laughs> well, and, and that sort of, you know, brings you to the idea that, you know, what are some of these events for? Are they for kids or are they for parents? Like, like right. this trick or treating business, you know, the kids are having a good time, but you know, the parents are, are you know, are out there boozing it up uh, i mean uh, are they uh just is it just an event that's used as an excuse for parents to get yeah. drunk you know yeah i mean like you see like when you and me are both at the same kind of event like a cub scout thing or or um like trick-or-treating or whatever i mean i think we're both the same in that you know when we're there we're both like laser focused on what the kids are doing what we're supposed to be doing for the kids are the mm-hmm. kids safe is are people like somebody getting bullied like i'm i'm hyper aware of what's happening in the context of this is the kids world here that we're in. Right. And we're just facilitators and trying to be responsible. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that is not what everyone else is doing. No, you know, like <laughs> I try and compartmentalize, like when we do our podcast, okay, now we're hanging out and talking and we can kind of relax a little bit or hanging out at your house. We went to, um, back, back to, um, Pee Wee's Playhouse, uh, <laughs> Mike's place, uh, after, uh, Halloween trick or treating, and that's when we could sort of like the kids go play. We're hanging out with the grownups and right, uh, and we had some funny conversations um, uh, with some of those parents because not basically our wives know about the podcast and our um, deplorable backgrounds, um, but not the friends necessarily. Right. Um, Although. I, I don't know who you told. I knew you told me that Erin told somebody else. She told, she told. Apparently the secret's getting Yeah, out. well, she told somebody that we were doing this. Oh. And um, and that was actually the person. So we're at my house, right. we're sitting in the living room in front of the fire. The kids are um, destroying Ben's room. Right, on, on Ripping Halloween. the ceiling fan out of the ceiling. Which is great. It was yeah. quite a thing scene up there. But um, so we're just sitting there talking and... and um, one of the parents just looks at me and goes, so how's the podcast going? <laughs> and uh, Knowing my eyes that you just, have another podcast. Right. You used to have I used to podcast. have another one. So, so it could have been that. Yeah. So my eyes get really wide and I, and I quickly 
shoot back, uh, oh, which one? And I look over to Nat for moral support, and Nat is out of his chair walking into the other room already. <laughs> as soon as I heard the word podcast, I looked at my plate, and my brain's automatically like, where are your kids? Go, go find one to help. <laughs> hmm, I need another piece and of pizza. And I was pizza. just like, oh, because you're directing the question at you, so I, like, I am not interjecting <laughs> here. Mike's got to handle it. So I did a little humming a humming a night. Well, I figured if I said anything and I looked guilty, she would automatically assume something nefarious yeah. was afoot. Yeah. So um, I uh, ran away, yeah. like I tend to that do. It's fine. I just started talking about the old podcast, <laughs> yes. and you know, yeah, uh, yeah. But Se- seven episodes of you know local government. When I say local, I mean within a hyper local, like mile radius, <laughs> like John the Can Man type stuff. <laughs> hey, you know, I I had. I had a dream that I could string together a bunch of local podcasts into a network and then sell it and make a humongous amount of money. Uh, I have a friend locally that has a podcast network. Really? Yes. Um, with that topic? No. no. The topic is like like sneakers or something weird like that. Oh. He used to See, be- niche. You can do that. It's, it's I, um, I don't want to pop it right now because that would out me a little bit because he's a local hero like a local celebrity type of guy. Um, uh, he he used to be a, a DJ at a local radio station, 92.7, back okay. in the like, early 90s and stuff oh, like that. back when that was relevant. Y- yes, yeah. exactly. Um, okay. Interesting character, but I was debating whether or not to approach him about our podcast, if for nothing else, just some advice, mm. or to get, just get out, you know, get distributed on his network, which apparently gets a lot of downloads. He mm. was bragging to me one time. We should talk about that. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting. So, Us, recovery and sneakers. So. Yeah, I mean, I know, but he has other shows. Oh, he does? I've okay. just never listened to any of them, and I don't know if it's him doing a bunch of different shows, or if he's, he's the type of guy that is thinking big, like what your dream was. Like, right. he's been doing that, like... He finds other interesting people and, you know, produces their podcast. It's what I think. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'll okay. show well, you that after. Something to think, think about offline. Um, yeah, but we, so we were at this ha- Halloween party. And by the way, um, it looked like the set of Thriller outside Mike's house. Which <laughs> I do go a little overboard on the decor for Halloween. It's one of my favorite holidays. <laughs> uh, you know, I got, I got animatronics. I got Smoke fog machines, uh, it's a little am- graveyard out there. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. You a lot of jump have- scares. <laughs> there really was. I was. I was very. I was shocked and amazed. Yeah. You know, because I. I always under decorate. I've always been on the side of less is more because I'm lazy and <laughs> you know setting it up is one thing, but then taking it down. You know, Christmas lights. Listen, I had it all gone. November first in the boxes yeah. in the in the attic. I can't stand looking at stuff after. After the holidays over, so it was, but yeah, I mean, you know, if I'm, you know, if I'm not drinking, I got to fill a few hours. Got to fill some hours. (laughs) Got to fill some time. Yeah, and um, yeah, it was very cool though. We had a good time at uh, at the playhouse, and uh, it looks like a cool. The, the house, it looks, when I go there, I'm like, this would be a really cool place to hang out and like play some music or, you know, hang out by the fire and uh, figure out some songs or something. I left the guitars um, out, man. I was hoping you'd grab one. I know. I'm always weird about that when there's other people yeah, around. No, so am I. Yeah. I, have, I have social anxiety uh, when it comes to uh, all situations. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> right. But that was fun. Um, the wives, of course, were drinking. Um, not too much. I actually have noticed that my wife has toned down her drinking. 
Um, oh, really? Significantly. Not, and I haven't said a thing. I, <laughs> I don't say anything. I, I try not to even give a sideways look. And she's basically, you know, pretty responsible. And she always has been. So I'm not like right. overbearingly worried that she's going to, you know, devolve into, you know, the kind of alcoholic that I once was. I just don't see it. <laughs> um, but stranger things have happened, right? Well, the other the other thing, I, the uh, kids got a hold of that Ouija board, though. <laughs> and uh, Oh, my God. That, that ended up being... Uh, Aaron was like, oh, my God, we sent all the kids home crying Why and do you afraid have they're not going to sleep tonight. It's going to be our fault. Like, what is this, a sleepover in 1993? Like, there's a Ouija board here. Hey, we like the analog toys. Yeah, you, you do know? have the older kids, though. So it's, and um, my, my stance on the Ouija board is it's a portal to another evil dimension. Okay. <laughs> my stance is you, you can buy it at Target, and it's in between Candyland and Shoots and Ladders. So, uh, And it was invented by Milton Bradley, so I'm not... Uh, I'm you not think worried. Milton Bradley is is not you know a, an officer of Satan himself. I mean Milton Bradley, the heartless corporation. That was that a guy, children. Milton Bradley, Mr. Milton? There was actually Bradley. a baseball player named Milton Bradley. Was there? I don't think they were related. But. I don't know. Sorry about. I hope your kids were able to sleep because yeah. they apparently the kids summoned a demon or something. I'm sure they did. You know, like that's what happens on Ouija boards. You, you get there and you know it's fun and games until somebody starts vomiting. You know, pea soup. Do you torture small animals? <laughs> I mean, hey, what are you <laughs> doing in there? Thanks, you, Doctor Phil. It's not helpful, but uh, appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and then here on our our amazing outline, I've got something that says Mike's ghost story. Oh, yeah. LSD and Hurricane Gloria. I should have told this last week before Halloween. It's always sort of a letdown to get the ghost story after Halloween. I know, but I, I'm still feeling like I want ghost stories, even though Halloween's right. over. I'm going to tell it to you. I don't know if it's a ghost story necessarily, but it's definitely a an odd coincidence story or something. How anyway. much would it cost to put Thriller as the betting music for this? Millions? Hmm. I could just drop it in and see if, see if anyone Apple sues. has a problem with it. <laughs> Maybe I not. think they do have AI that crawls yeah. and finds that shit. So, they do, they yeah, do. too bad. Oh, well. uh, so, okay. So, in 1985, I was at uh, you know, Fordham University, and uh, the dorm that I was staying in was uh, a building by the name of Hughes Hall. And Hughes Hall's uh, claim to fame was that uh, some of the more outrageous scenes of the exorcist were filmed there i i believe they turned part of it into linda blair's bedroom oh wow um and that was on the fifth floor where where i was living at the time uh it was kind of crazy because I, I think i've mentioned this before like weed was just um all over the place and psychedelics all over the place because they had raised the drinking age before i got to uh before i got there so everybody on the floor was sort of a proto hippie you know because weed was easy to find whatever but um I don't know if you remember uh, in September of 1985, I don't know if any of you were that old. Maybe some of you are that old, right? It's a middle-aged podcast. Middle right? ages, yeah. yeah. So uh, a hurricane blew through uh, the Northeast, Hurricane Gloria. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it was one day in September. And hurricane the, the arrival of Hurricane Gloria coincided with the arrival of a sheet of really good acid from <laughs> San Francisco uh, that a deadhead uh, friend of mine who was um, a year older than I and had a cool uh, off-campus apartment, uh, had received. So we all made our little trip over there before the hurricane, bought some some doses and, and uh, ate them, and then went back to our... Um, went back to our dorm room. And, and because the hurricane was coming, we sat at the end of the hallway, and we were 
taping up the windows. Um, you yeah. Know, either end. It's so, a bad hurricane. Yeah, in case some tree branch or something comes yeah. through. Uh, and then um, it was really good acid because I remember sitting in, in a room at the end of the hallway and looking at just a, a flat white wall and this fucking face just came ripping right oh, out of it. Man. And it was just like, like the wall, you know, the Pink Floyd. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, and then the clouds were going crazy in the sky. So we were looking at the face of God and I could, uh, you know, we all God saw it. It was real. God is um, so then, so then, you know, we do the smart thing. We all hop in a car and we drive up to Bear Mountain, which is, you know, a little bit north in New York City. Mm-hmm. And we go running around in the rain, shrieking and painting mud on ourselves. You know? <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, yeah. So, fun. you know, long story short, we end up back in uh, uh, another guy's brother's apartment in the Bronx, uh, eating tuna melts at like, you know, right. late at night. It was, it was a great day. Really enjoyed it. I, I you know, I always loved taking acid. I, acid never really did me wrong. A couple of times I had some questionable internal yeah. dialogue, but for the most part, uh, it was a lot of fun. A lot of um, fun. But, um, so, so we get back to, we get back from Bear Mountain and from hanging out and eating tuna, tuna melts and, uh, the hurricane had blown through by then. So we just go and we rip off all the tape, uh, off the windows at the end of the hallway, but we didn't quite get it all, you know, whatever we go to bed. I think I popped a Mexican Valium so I could sleep if I remember correctly. I I really enjoyed that. (laughs) There's nothing like coming off an acid trip and taking a Valium. It's just, ah, all the internal chatter gets very quiet all of a sudden. Uh, anyway, so we wake up the next morning ready to stagger out into, um, to get our, you know, food or breakfast at the, the chow hall there. And I looked down at the end of the, the hallway and the way the tape had been ripped off randomly by all of us the night before clearly spelled out the word faith. No. On the window. The oh, the I should man. also mention that the, the, and I probably should have said this first, the building was known to be haunted. Apparently some little kid had fallen out of the top window, um, you know, in the late 1800s, early oh. 1800s, died and was, his spirit was haunting the, you know, people claimed to hear, you know, phantom knocks and um, doors opening and closing. And of course, there's a bunch of stone college students like living in there. So right. <laughs> those things, you know, maybe it's a haunting, maybe it's just, you know, stone people, but. Uh, nothing but to we, do with the uh, acid you took. Oh, no, no, yeah, of course not. Nothing. But everyone was so tripped out by that, that we just left it up. For months and months. And so one of my friends has a picture of it. I think she took a picture of it. And if I can scare that up, I'll throw it up on the on the board. But uh, that is that's it. That's my sort of ghost story. <laughs> yeah. I've, there's plenty of times uh, that I, I did an acid, mostly in high school. High school was when I did most of my tripping. Yeah, mushrooms and acid. And, and I've got a ton of crazy stories. But as far as a bad trip, yeah. I'm thinking back. I never had like a bad one. Per se, I mean, it was interesting. I think the last time I was I tripped on acid must have been junior year of high school. I remember having that internal dialogue with myself, <laughs> where I came to the realization that if I wanted to get where I wanted to go in life, um, I had to never trip again. <laughs> and that was the final thing I remember from that trip. It's, I guess it ended and I slept it off or something and I never did touch it again. It was very strange. Other things I touched, but not acid. Well, the guy that I bought that acid from, uh, who I'm still friends with on Facebook to this day, um, you know, we were kind of hitting that sheet a little hard over the subsequent couple oh, yeah. of months. Jesus. And, uh, you know, we showed up at his apartment one day and he was like, um, listen, um, 
don't take too much of that stuff because you know you don't want to just wander around being like I don't need school I'm a child of the universe yes, you know? and, which is precisely what happened yeah. um, <laughs> to me and I, I reminded him of that like 20 years later and yeah. he got a, he got a chuckle out of it because <laughs> you know he remembered saying it and uh, you know it, it was prophetic yeah it came true ash is a weird one I'm not even sure how I feel about microdosing and all of that I mean <laughs> I I put microdosing LSD ketamine and psilocybin on like, um, I put it on a shelf that's sort of like, I can't even imagine how that could possibly be positive and, uh, and therapeutic. But on the other hand, I have no idea. And many good people are working on it to give us some kind of scientific answer, but I just don't see it just having done it myself. But you know, I never did a microdosing schedule with it and worked with a, a specialist. Uh, who knows? Maybe it is possible. There's a uh, there's another podcast I listen to called Recovery Happy Hour, and um, I, I think the host and her guest from this past week uh, sort of emanated from the Recovery Elevator people, right? Uh, which is another podcast that I recommend you all listen to, but. Um, Anyway, they put out apparently put out a um, harm reduction episode a couple of years ago that was all like, you should never do, you know, any sort of drugs like CBD or anything or, you know. And then in the interim, um, her guest uh, who was in recovery went to Peru, um, hiked the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu and then stayed for a couple of days for an ayahuasca ceremony. Ooh. And they just released another updated episode on harm reduction and they were all like, yeah, man, you know, the ayahuasca really <laughs> clarified things, things for me look at that. and it made everything better. And so, you know, so I, I guess the point is, I mean, there is a burgeoning movement in the recovery arena to use uh, plant medicine like ayahuasca and maybe psilocybin yeah. as, Even um, acid. yeah, as, uh, you know, mental health treatment, which rather than a party drug, which yeah. is how I always saw it. And I think a lot of a lot of what we're seeing now with CBD's explosion. I mean, you see CBD everywhere. Yes, you do. Right. I mean, you can't even turn around in your own podcasting recording studio <laughs> without tripping over a CBD gummy. <laughs> Uh, pun intended. Yeah, tripping we'll, over. We'll we'll get to that. Are we getting to that? Uh, we still have a little bit to go. So, but, uh, yeah, just a little foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, it's it's very interesting. So there's a lot a lot of things I think are changing. Some people believe, you know, once once the dogma has been set in 1938, um, it should remain so despite scientific progress. I'm sorry, Bill W was the biggest acid head around. Yeah, I heard that. Is that, that true? Guy, I yes. think you're throwing out no, you know, that is wild very true. accusations. He, he thought way back when that you could use that as a, as a, in a therapeutic way to, he, to help cure alcohols. Yeah, before it all got scheduled, um, right. meaning became pretty illegal even for research. Um, we lost out on a lot of, um, you know, MDMA treatment for PTSD is supposed to be like groundbreaking. The only time I, I ever took MDNA, I always took it when I was tripping on acid. Oh. So I can never get a real... You never got a clean MDMA never, trip, yeah. man. It's, it's, I saw some fantastic dead shows on that combination yeah. of psychedelics, though. What My thought was when I first tried the actual MDMA, it wasn't like one of those chopped up weird pills that we got like in the 2000s, but mm. and this is in the 90s, it came out of a prescription bottle somehow, one of my friends had 
you know, gotten from Texas <laughs> or something crazy. Here, take this, take two of these and call of me course. in a month. And I remember thinking, wow, because I was trying to process how I felt. And the thing I came up with was it feels like that if, um, if negative feelings were a physical thing, it has been removed from mm. my soul. That's like, a really good description you know, of how that works. It's just anything negative, anything at all on, on any level was just, it vanished. You can see why that would be helpful with PTSD. Sure. And yeah. especially if you're not taking like crazy doses and tripping your balls, if you're just, I can see that like on a therapeutic level. And that's what it was developed for. It was mm. actually developed for uh, couples having trouble with intimacy. And you can imagine how really? tripping on it. Yeah. That, that was the initial indication. Wow. Um, uh, maybe our listeners can fact check me on that, but. That's definitely different from having a couple of glasses of wine and heading to the bedroom. Yeah, because yeah. it, it makes you immediately uninhibited. Um, any kind of hangups you might have or if there was something you were holding against your spouse or whatever, gone. And then you can you get back to that like feeling of love and being in love. That's why people hug so much on it. Man, AA should be all for it if it removes resentment. It, yeah, you think, except that you're using you oh, know, right. the devil's pill. That's right. And, uh, I forgot about that. You know, it's a slippery slope. You start doing that, next thing you know, it's, you know. Or is it? I mean, do people get addicted to psychedelic drugs? I don't know. And I try, I don't, they say no. But I think like a lot of things, it could be a psychological addiction I guess. where like I remember wanting to trip, but not like feeling my body needing to. When I when I was doing it a lot in high school, I remember thinking like I just anything to get, you know, out of myself. Like mm -hmm. I, I wanted to go back to that place, like wherever the world was normally. I didn't want to be there. I wanted Fantasyland, which hmm. through acid and psilocybin. <laughs> it's definitely Fantasyland. It, you know, and it's Garbage real. can starts talking to you. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's not even an exaggeration. If you haven't done these things, please don't do them now. But um, Unless you got a prescription from a doctor and it's in the therapeutic you environment. you can miraculously find that, yeah, or where you live. Fly to Peru and pay some shaman. It, yeah, thousands of dollars to administer ayahuasca. You can understand why cultures would would call that seeing God because um, you certainly feel that way. Uh, <laughs> well, that's, that's what they say about like DMT, the spirit yeah. molecule. Yep. Have you heard that phrase? Yeah. Uh, because that you smoke that. I've never done it, but apparently if you smoke it, it takes you instantly to this parallel, parallel world yeah. and everybody tends to see the same type of hallucinations. Which is like amazing. The same little like... Um, same creatures. Little creatures yep. and the same like sort of fractal environment, which it's makes very, you wonder if, you know, is, is that like some way to pierce through the, uh, the simulation that well, we're all living in, you know, according to Elon Musk and some other folks, you know. I think there's a lot more science now pointing towards the fact that it's a better chance we are in a simulation than a natural uh, universe, which is very cutting edge um, science right now, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Mm. Um, what I was going to say is that the DMT... What I read about DMT is they, they discovered recently that it doesn't, like, you know, alcohol puts it like a chemical and it makes you feel a certain way. Right. What they think is happening with DMT is it's suppressing some filters. Mm -hmm. It's turning things off. Mm. So you, it makes you wonder, why would turning off a filter make you see something like that? Yeah. What Like, what is your brain normally protecting you from? Is it parallel dimensions that you can only see, you know what I mean? Like, are we just being protected from, cause maybe it's hard to survive when you can see all of the parallel entities and universes yeah. that are overlapped, which is now more and more what science is starting to, to, you know, to put forth as a theory on reality is that's, that. 
very fucking Parallel red, red pill, blue pill, uh, yeah. matrix kind of shit. I guess the know? real question is how would knowing this for sure change, you know, our universe, uh, the way we understand it. Well, uh, you can't stay on DMT all the time. No. It makes it hard to get your laundry done and stuff. No, of course not. Of course not. But the understanding that these parallel universes do exist in by, um, taking certain, uh, plant medicines or drugs, can you actually, are you seeing something that is actually there or is this just a projection of your uh, dream mind or something? Well, then everybody's projecting the same thing. Which is very Which interesting. Which is very fucking weird. Uh, I mean, yeah. maybe we could talk about Carl Jung's collective unconscious and oh, yeah. the Akashic records that uh, some people, uh, Edgar Casey being one of them, the sleeping prophet, you can mm. Google him. It's extremely interesting. He would go into a trance uh, and he would seemingly be talking to like a group of people uh, from another dimension, ancient wisdom or whatever. And then he he would have someone transcribe what he said. They would ask him a question. And um, he would wake up having no memory of what it was. The person would follow the directions or do whatever. And a lot of them were health related. Mm-hmm. My son has an ache in his knee. And then the prophet, you know, when he was talking to the other world or whatever, would come back with the answer. And then it would work. And so he was famous for these health readings. Was he uh, taking anything? Or no, he was just a straight uh, laced. He was a straight laced Christian guy, active in his like Baptist church or something like that. And so this was a very Edgar Casey, a hundred percent. If you don't know who this is, you ought to know. I mean, that's uh, it's interesting that um, maybe there are some people whose minds don't need the DMT to remove the filter; that they're just kind of already there, you know. Well, yeah, that and is the veil variation thin, is the yeah. veil thinning. Um, right. But that is for a different show that I've always wanted to do. That would have been a good Halloween show. I would like, <laughs> right. at some point, I Next do year. want to do a whole paranormal show. That's That would be something I would love to do. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, um, I've got something on here that I'm not sure I want to get into. Um, calendar anxiety. Um, yeah, we were talking about anxiety before. Yeah. Uh, the other day when, when you and I spoke, um, you were... Talking about, well, actually, we we both sort of, I'm going to forget how it came up, but you, we ended up agreeing that we prefer if we have nothing on our calendars. Right. <laughs> you know, because. Because we, we'd rather not have any uh, obligations because those create anxiety. Right. right? It, you know, I think a lot of parents, middle-aged parents like uh, like us and you, um, you start to look at your get their calendar and it's just like. You feel like a hamster on a on a wheel, you know, to use a, a tired uh, analogy or metaphor, and um, but that's how it feels. You're going from one thing to the next to the next, and uh, I don't have the ability to say no sometimes. No, you know, I don't either. Um, like Cub Scouts is giving me a lot of anxiety because I'm like, I don't even know, like I. I don't know what to do. You should not have anxiety about cups. I have anxiety. There's there's four people in our den. I know. And your son is one and mine's the other. So that's like two other kids. Right. So why am I anxious? Why are you anxious? Is it a social anxiety? Um, But even when it is clear, you know, we were saying like when my calendar is quote unquote clear or if it's like there's three hours ahead of me where I don't have something that has to get done. Right. That's even worse. It makes me nervous. I'm like, what did I forget? <laughs> you know, what what could I be doing that I wasn't doing? And those are the types of things that 
wouldn't affect me when I was using because nothing mattered except for getting high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Now you now we have to manage our complicated lives. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Before it's I just rather annoying. Yeah, it's much easier <laughs> to let it like fall apart and end up sleeping, you know, in your parents' basement. Well, you end up being reactive as opposed to proactive. You know, now we have we schedule shit. We take on responsibilities. We do things that need to be done where before that stuff was just sort of secondary to, right. you know, getting high or when five o'clock came around, getting that, getting that booze in there. Right. I'm you more know. likely to think about, you know, boy, I better like oil my son's trumpet valves before. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's horrible. Before, um, having to drive to pick up a uh, crack and dope. And that is the truth, Ruth. Um, yeah. And so staying busy when you're in recovery is a big thing. I mean, people say you should do that. Yes. Idle hands. Take on commitments. Make the coffee at the fucking meeting. That's do that, it. You right? be a coffee guy, right. you know, and, and that has evolved and devolved over the years. You hear stories about sponsors treating, uh, sponsees like, uh, they're pledging a fraternity. Which coffee is, bitch. Yeah. All that shit. And, um. <laughs> Go pick up my laundry. I mean, maybe it works for some people to, you know, I bet you it does, it's, you know, going along with that theory that, you know, everybody is different. And I'm hearing that more and more on the various uh, shows I listen to, the podcasts, what the documentaries, that more people are saying who have been through it or work in the field are saying, you know, maybe this, this uh, philosophy that there's only one way to the top uh, and it's all or nothing is not only wrong, it's dangerous. Yes. Uh, and I think, you know, the more and more people are studying, experiencing, people are starting to recover, doing different things. Um, this is starting to come out. And it's not to say that the traditional things that have worked will still work for some people. Um, but I think a lot of it is the approach that we need to take with people who, you know, clearly aren't succeeding at that. Yeah. Uh, you know, circling back to the coffee commitment thing, you know, that that sort of approach has a long history in um, mentor-mentee relationships, right? I mean, yeah. you know, the old uh, saw about, you know, showing up at the Shaolin Temple to learn Kung Fu. And wax you spend on, the, wax yeah, off. You spend the first two years making rice uh, before exactly. they let you near a staff. Militaries you know? like that. I mean, there's plenty, yeah. plenty of circumstances where that can work and has worked, and there's a reason they still do it. Um, but yeah. there's, you also run the risk of people, like, burning out over that shit and being like, fuck this. I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm not I mean, getting anywhere. How many people, you know, figure out quote unquote, that they're constitutionally incapable of being honest or something like that. Mm. And that uh, this program is not working for them. It hasn't worked for them. They've been to six treatment centers and nothing has improved and they have it in their head that if it, if this doesn't help, nothing can help. Right. And well, that, that's a give up scenario. Yeah. And especially if there's nobody, you know, in, in a position to help them that will tell them anything differently. Right. Um, until I had a psychiatrist who, with so much experience in, in the field of addiction finally say, hey, have you tried this drug? Have you tried that drug? And I said, uh, no. Yeah. Uh, when you I, get stuck in the recovery yeah. rut if you, you know. I mean, the good thing is there's the information is now out there, right? I mean, 10 years ago it wasn't. Yeah. I you mean. Know, there's the internet. People I can't can believe how many find people. Shit. I can't believe how many people in quote unquote in recovery have never heard of the drugs that saved my life. Um, yeah. Camprol and which is a camper site and now Traxone taken in com- combination completely destroyed all of my cravings Yeah, for like six months. And 
when I was doing that. And guess what? It didn't make me high by taking those things. It's uh, They're just very advanced medicines. It works different, I think, for a lot of people, but they're pretty good. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to Kathy about that next week because she yeah. has a lot of experience with that. And, uh, I think there's there's so much uh, to be plumbed in um, MAT um, that people just you know, are just starting to understand, you know, for so long, it's just methadone, methadone, methadone. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, what about someone who wants to smoke crack? Okay. Well, we don't know what to do with that. Right. Um, and it, and that's the thing with, with the Camperol and the naltrexone, naltrexone being developed originally for drinkers, then finding out that it blocks opioid receptors, uh, has evolved into something that, um, is strictly for opiate users. But um, it, it's made to work with your craving center. And there's a whole scientific, you know, uh, description of how it does that, that I've sat through many uh, seminars on it. Um, and it's interesting. It does something physical. Um, I'm not educa- educated enough on it to give you the technical description, but needless to say, it killed my cravings for everything. I mm. even like wanted to stop smoking. Like, yeah, that's an amazing thing. So the craving uh, went away, and I didn't even know that were, was possible. Well, and yeah. a lot of people don't, and that's a, that's a damn shame. Yeah. Um, so I mean, so it's very important that you know we we get very uh, more vocal about you know these alternative treatments and being open minded about it. I think. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Uh, but you know, if you're not staying busy to, um, to recover or to help you recover, how do you get rid of that sense of, um, disquiet, you know, like, um, I know that you're a big meditator or you at least yeah. tell me that you are. Well, what, what do I, you do? What's your practice like? Okay. I, I recently changed up my practice a little bit. Um, but I've been doing Zen meditation for years uh, usually during periods when I'm not drinking because it's very hard to drink a couple of glasses of wine and then try and meditate. I have tried yeah. to do that. Yeah. And it, does, it doesn't it, work. It doesn't work. Um, <laughs> it's quite annoying to do that, actually. Um, so I don't know. What I do is I, I set aside 20 minutes a day in the evening sometime around between 8 p.m. and when I go to bed. And I sit on a cushion and I breathe in and out and I <laughs> follow the breath in and I follow it out and um, and that's pretty much it. Lately I've um, getting into this uh, sort of weird little area of Indian Vedantic thought called um, um, well it's it's really like a Zen practice but it's from from India and the guy that's that started it as Ramana Maharshi. He died in like 1920. But anyway, what you do is as you're breathing in, you ask the question, who am I? And as you breathe out, you ask the same question, who am I? And if your mind wanders and you're thinking, you ask, who's thinking? And you keep doing this until, you know, your soul focus is on who you are Mm. and see what comes up. That's interesting. That reminds me of Descartes. Um, the philosopher, je pense donc je suis. I think, right. therefore I am. In this and case, you, what you're, what you're, the, the, there's really no goal necessarily, but the goal is that the I will sort of drop away and you'll realize that who you are is the same as what the universe is. Oh. Right. A Buddhist went, walked up to a hot dog stand and said, Make, make me, me one, one with, with everything. everything. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But then when you ask the hot dog vendor for change and he says... True change comes from within. Oh! 
taking the show on the road, there folks. There we go. <laughs> I don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Phil. We agree with you on that. So you can be happy. And I have to say that I tried meditation. I mean, prayer too, right? Prayer is great. Um, it that's helps. your jam. That that You know what? That's what I um, I default to when, I, when I'm looking for, you know, if I'm feeling overly anxious or I'm worried about what my kids or something, uh, I, I go to a prayer. Um, and Jesus I, Christ, this Jesus sucks. Christ, I keep <laughs> I keep breaking that ten, one of the Ten Commandments like saying Jesus Christ. But... Um, Forgiveness, though, folks. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and I've, I've always learned in praying for me, it's to not treat God like Santa Claus. Right. You're not praying to ask for a bunch of stuff. Usually for me, it's praying to help me either get through whatever's happening. I, I don't demand outcomes. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's a, a prayer method anyway that I use. And it's really to, to help me see, to, to help me do better, and to help me, you know, cope with things better. And and then, you know, if it's, you know, within the will, within his will to, you know, make, you know, to make it better somehow. But it's not like I want a new He-Man figure. That's That was what I prayed for as a kid. I want a new He-Man guy. Did you get it? No, it didn't come. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to prove that God exists to me. I remember thinking, okay, dear God, I want this. And I gave him the exact He-Man figure I wanted, you know, and put it above this book in mom's office in the house. Went to sleep. Next morning, I'm like marching in there. <laughs> no He-Man figure. I'm like, there's no God. <laughs> <laughs> it's tautology. Clearly. Um, I mean, you know, to me, like pr- prayer, you know, thy will be done is really the only prayer there is, right? Yeah, thy will be done. Look at you. Um, uh, Howard be thy name. Did you know that was, <laughs> that's uh, God's middle name, Howard. Howard be thy name. Because it's right? Howard be thy name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I give you that one grudgingly. So <laughs> speaking of, um, speaking of uh, medication assisted therapies oh, and Jesus. alternative you know things to get clean and feel better and sleep regularly um we have to talk about what happened recently with um some CBD gummies that um had, that arrived and were tried well they didn't just arrive somebody <laughs> had to order them somebody ordered them i'm not <laughs> sh- quite sure who ordered these uh, dastardly little things um, but nonetheless, in, in our quest to find natural and non-drug things to sort of ease general anxiety and kind of just help pass the time a little bit, maybe a little more easily, which you know maybe is a bad idea, we have stumbled upon a CBD um, tincture that we think maybe goes over the line a little bit on as far <laughs> as putting it mildly as far as getting high is concerned which is not what either of us i think are looking to do right i'm certainly not looking for it we are not looking to get high that is the bottom line um well, but yeah i mean let's just say i i've tried a lot of different cbd right, products me too. and they've never no felt great shakes. anything uh, or maybe the placebo effect a little bit to help me I fall always, asleep a little faster. I always do have you know. a better sleep when I take a CBD. But really, I've never felt like it's altered my waking consciousness in any significant way <laughs> no. until 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 two days ago, where um, this CBD that just showed up um, <laughs> in 
the store here uh, <laughs> in the in the studio. So so we were talking a little bit about this last week, right? We we had you you were saying that oil you were using, yeah. And I tried some of that, and I felt nothing. That as was usual. my it's my CBD. sleep one. It's called a sleep yeah. CBD. Didn't make me sleepy. Didn't make you sleepy. So the same company makes gummies. And right. I guess you were so enamored with the oil that you ordered the gummies. I did. I did. Right. I like gummy anything. So like the gummies things. come. They're a lovely, uh, the lovely flavor of blackberries. Blackberry. Yeah. More things you should said, be blackberry. Why aren't more things blackberry? It's right? a great flavor. So we're standing in. I was standing in the store a couple of days ago, and we're talking about uh, the show and stuff. And um, you offer me one, and I'm like, sure, I'll take one of those. You know, why not? They, it's not going to do anything to me anyway. Yeah, Maybe I, it'll chill I me out for this anything. Afternoon. I'll take one. I put it under my tongue for a little while, also at your suggestion. Yes. And um, <laughs> and then I eat it, and it gets stuck in my throat, and I got to get a glass of water, and I'm all neurotic about it. And then I, I start laughing, and um, and it, it, we were just, you know, our usual bullshit back and forth, and I'm like, I found it very funny, you know, I, I which is more funny eyes. than usual. I could see it in your eyes. I'm like, oh, no. And what I'm happens? like, huh, that's, oh, no. that's interesting. And I'd ridden my, my motorcycle down to the shop, and I'm like, oh, I guess I drive this thing home. So, but I was, but I was fine, right? So I, I drive home, and then um, Kathy calls me to talk about be, coming on the show. And I'm talking to her, and in the middle of this conversation, I realize I am fucking high. <laughs> I am fucking stoned out of my tree. And I'm like, how the fuck did that happen? How did that happen? And she's talking, and I'm like... I'm like, could you say that again? She's like, what? I'm like, the whole part, the whole, the whole thing. thing that you just said, because I was thinking about something else. <laughs> and this went on all afternoon, and I'm, I, I realized two things. One, I'm fucked, because I don't, <laughs> I have no tolerance for anything. And two, like, I, t- I it's an edible. I've never eaten an edible, like, right. and, and, I'm, and it's, it keeps coming, and it keeps coming. I'm like, motherfucker, what the fuck is this thing? Oh, and no. I, so, you know, I don't hear from you for a little while, and now I'm paranoid. I'm like, fuck, is he, like, all fucked up, too? Like, and he just doesn't want to say, like, I'm sorry about it. I gave you that gummy. And so I, I tentatively type out, like, hey, how you feeling? Where are you? Yeah. <laughs> are you okay? And you're, like, just play, playing it off. I'm like, now, yeah. is he really playing it off? And I was like, anyway, so I was... I'm like, well, fuck, at least I can just sit on the couch for the rest of the afternoon and do nothing. And then my, my wife calls me, she's like... Jack's got a cough. You should take him for a COVID test. I'm yeah. like, really? Oh, really? On. I got to go to like a doctor now? Like, <laughs> fuck. So, uh, I read the label. I do some investigation. One would think that you would read the label before you take what's in the fucking pouch. I would say before you go any further, we should refrain from a direct you know, mention of the name of it. I'm not going to say the com- right. company. Just so we don't I'm not gonna say the encourage we, anyone else to yeah, go after It was the these. same company we said last week. <laughs> right. So go listen to that. Download it again. Um, so, okay. So I don't know shit about the new marijuana uh, cannabis And world, there's a right? special new ingredient in this Apparently there one. is. There's something called Delta 8 THC. Right. So this is a, this is a full spectrum there's two ways you could take CBD. CBD isolate, which is from hemp, and then full spectrum, which has, you know, some things called terpenes in them and whatever. You you wrote out the whole right. explanation, but it's... Um, so the thing in marijuana that gets you high is called Delta 9 THC. Right. And if you let Delta 9 THC age, it turns into... Delta 8 THC, which people then put into CBD and stuff because supposedly its properties are not as psychoactive. Yeah. Except 
if you ha- are one of those lucky people with um with, whose echocannabinoid receptors in the body are specially attuned to um delta 8 thc which mine apparently are so um doing a little research on delta 8 i realized that um the i come across this sentence um Though the two cannabinoids are psychoactive and very similar to one another, Delta-8 is less potent and comes with its own unique effect. Delta-8-THC is a psychoactive cannabinoid that will get you high, which would have been nice to read before I took the gummy. Where was that listed? I never saw that. It was on a site of a producer that puts this... Right. So uh, apparently I unwittingly consumed... Something that got me high. So, well, where does that leave me? I've been taking this for like two weeks. Apparently, your echocannabinoid receptors are not <laughs> in tune to delta ATHC like mine are. Well, um, yeah. I mean, I, at first I thought you were totally just like freaking out because I thought it was totally psychological. But um, I don't know, man. So, that for one thing, we were going to talk about... Okay, does It this, lasted two days. Did, <laughs> I, I was not... In my right mind yesterday either. And, and I feel terrible for having... But <laughs> on the one hand, I do feel terrible. But on the other I'm not hand, blaming you for... Of course you're yeah. blaming me. I'm not. I'm not. On the I other mean, hand, I've done you a great service by yeah. ac- letting you accidentally ingest this, uh, this new uh, compound, which... In my experience, I just, I didn't get high. I'm, I'm kind of wondering why, but I'm... <laughs> a little disappointed. A little bit, but um, uh, no, I mean, look, and, and the idea is, look, does that mean you're resetting your clock? No, I didn't. I, there was no intent. Right. So, so that, that's an interesting, this is an interesting I didn't, topic. I didn't really enjoy it. And that's, that's the thing, like... That, like if you cheat on your I, wife and you're like, but I didn't enjoy no, it. No, no, it's different. <laughs> because I felt it and I knew what was happening. Because yeah. I have been high before. You have? Yes. Okay. But I was like, I was like, uh, I, I'm just glad I'm not some guy off the street who'd never had experience with drugs who took this <laughs> thing. And all of a sudden, like, is like, you know, freaking out. Because, yeah. you know... So I knew it, what it was, and I was like, I just got to ride it out because, you know, there's you no know, way to stop it. And and an important part of this, and I feel like I'm going to come off looking like a like um, some kind of sneaky trying to get you high type of thing, but it really wasn't like that. <laughs> I, I really got was I got this in the spirit of trying to do things differently, to stay sober, to sleep better, because one of the things that plagues me uh, and it has made me want to self-medicate in the past is I, I'm not a good sleeper um, and I, I don't sleep through the night. So when I find something that is not, you know, and alcohol doesn't actually make you sleep better, but it creates the illusion that you get you tired. fall asleep and, and, faster. And then, yeah, and then it turns into a stimulant in, in your body. In any case, um, the CBD stuff, I started to take it. And this is after being sober for a while. Um, and... Um, and I slept through the night and I've been sleeping through the night and I don't feel like I'm high. I just like, well, I don't know. I'm, I feel like I found something that works. I'll tell you the, <laughs> the two sacks of those gummies that I ordered They're coming um, to me. I'm taking before them. I got high, I, I'm going to give them to you yes. and you can sleep 
you know. Thank you. Um, so everybody's so just, different. I don't know. The, yeah. The lesson for you folks out there, read the read the labels. Read the labels. Be careful and watch the full spectrum oil. I think if I'm CBDing from now on, it's going to be isolate only. Yeah. Um, Probably I good. Do but, not need that to have that experience again. But one thing I'd like to say is, so why didn't this completely destroy your sobriety and your um, your will to keep going? And like, I think the fact that you're not working on an absolute abstinence, no matter what, uh, or bust type of model that you're. Well, I am for alcohol. Well, sure. I mean, and but for drugs. You're, like there are people out there that will reset their clock if they are thinking or acting in a way that is, you know, evocative of an addiction behavior. Yeah, right? not so, an AA. I don't have to do that. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> so the fact that this could happen to you that, you know, surreptitiously or not, you were slipped a Mickey, so to speak, <laughs> and um, whatever. But you're not going to lose sleep over it. You're not thinking to yourself, I just threw away all of the, the work I've done. You know, um, the the ability to be a little more flexible with yourself and just really being honest with yourself. It was like, all right, I know to be more careful there. Now I know what that means. <laughs> I know what Delta 8 is. Right. Um, I mean, I didn't uh, get, uh, you know, pulled over. I didn't go buy a 12 pack of Coors Light and pound no. it. I did demolish an entire plate of chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I've definitely been eating more candy. That's sort of par for the course with um, this shit, right? Yeah. I mean, you uh, know, it, it's all in the spirit of legitimately just trying new things that are, are, you know, down a different path that is a healthier, safer path. And um, especially if you if you're looking for, not just abstinence to sustain you. I don't know. I look at it as if I had gone to a party, ate a brownie, and ended up having <laughs> weed in it, and, you know, yeah, shit happens, right? So, I mean, what am I going to do? So I think we sh- we can both say that we're not resetting our clocks on account of this, least of all me. So <laughs> no, you have no reason to. I know. <laughs> um, and, and I'm starting to wonder, I'm like, what, what do I think about THC? Now, it's not legal yet, so I would never, but, you know... I, I might do some more research on that mm. um, and know, see man. where it takes me. I, but it's a slippery slope. It's dangerous. And yes, yes, it is. I can hear what you're saying out there. You're playing with fire. You now. are. You I are think playing you are fire. playing with fire with those I, little fucking things. I think I am. I think I'm a habitual line stepper like my son. And um, I just am going to blame him. Just be careful. I don't want to come in the store sometime and, <laughs> and find Fly you me? staring at, like, uh, you know, the wall, watching it breathe. Hey, it's happened. And uh, <laughs> save that story if you listen to Church other drugs interview i tell that story yeah um and maybe i'll tell it on here one of these days we have to move along we do we're at um, five already i know i'm glad I'm, I'm glad we're having a long show i hope everybody's enjoying it and recovering the news yeah. took us a while to get here but it's time for recovery in the news there's been a lot going on uh in the drug world lately um not just um inadvertent cbd eating uh so the election elections have consequences and one of the consequences of this recent election was that oregon decriminalized uh small amounts of heroin and cocaine i don't have the thing anymore actually we shouldn't cheer for that i'm not i'm not 100 (laughs) that it's a great idea i don't know if it's a great idea but um Four other states also legalized recreational marijuana, so that's who else. It's coming. It well, there's New Jersey mm-hmm. and um, South Dakota, Montana, and Arizona. 
The voters decisively passed laws legalizing recreational marijuana. Good. Cannabis is now legal across a large block of states in the West, from Washington down to the Mexican border and well beyond. Um, the Oregon measure, which we have discussed in the past on this show, uh, makes possession of small amounts of heroin and cocaine a violation similar to a traffic ticket and no longer punishable by jail. And it funds drug addiction treatment for marijuana sales taxes. Um, the executive director of the advocacy group Drug Policy Alliance said, this is incredible. It's like taking a sledgehammer to the cornerstone of the drug war. Um, hmm. So I'm cautiously optimistic that this is a good first step towards the... Um, towards reducing the demonization of addiction and putting it in a different category than something that needs to be handled through the penal and the legal system. Right, like going away for life or being an addict. Right. And I, I would note that Jermaine, to our conversation from before... Who's Jermaine? He's, uh, he's some guy in Oregon who... <laughs> where the Oregon voters also legalized psilocybin... Uh, as the Times says, known as magic, magic mushrooms. Oh, thank you for clearing that up, New York For Times. people aged 21 and older, proponents said the move would allow the drug to be used to treat depression, anxiety, and other conditions, which is what we were talking about I earlier. have other conditions. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of weird uh, being, you know, in recovery and attempting to be sober in a world where every, they're legalizing <laughs> drugs all over the all place. All of a sudden, right? It's, you know. I mean, it's it, the social attitudes... With alcohol already so pro-alcohol, you wonder where that's going with drugs. Well, um, yeah, I mean, it's been lurking beneath like a, a thick, you know, veneer of uh, public, you know, um, finger wagging about drugs. And so things like this happening and the inner drug addict in me um, applauds when I hear these things or the inner 14 year old. <laughs> yes. You know, I automatically when I hear legalizing it, I, yay. That's my inner 14-year-old. But mm -hmm. when I think about it, I don't really know that I'm 100% on board and think that that's a good idea. I mean, I'm, I'm for changing the, the um, jail system, the court system to favor treatment over incarceration. But I'm not sure that putting, you know, uh, dime bags in 7-Eleven uh, is the right approach. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to end up that available. I think if you regulate and create a dispensary system, I mean, people who adults who want to use marijuana and if there are people who are using it rather than drinking, I think that's a good thing. And I don't think, uh, I don't think the, the criminal uh, system has any business getting involved in what you're putting inside your body. Yeah, it's look, legal tax and regulated. Prohibition did not, well, I'm not an expert in prohibition, but my understanding is it was not a good thing. Yeah. Well, you know, increased crime and, health problems people making the stuff in their um bathtub bathtubs gym. like the C our cbd purveyor right <laughs> apparently yeah. um so anyway that's um it's coming to a kiosk near you yeah um marijuana you can get it anywhere now these days apparently uh, yeah i think that the, the decriminalization of these drugs is more it's more of an attempt to shift what we do to people who are are having trouble, or what we do for them, or what we can do for them, mm -hmm. uh, apart from incarcerating them. So, I think that this is less of like a tacit approval for doing drugs, and more of a way to get in front of these people uh, who need help and have actual helpful options that 
you know, that, that don't just incarcerate them because clearly that is not been doing anything except for making super criminals who, you know, start talking to each other and learning all their secrets, you know. Well, the uh, war on drugs has been a colossal failure by any way that you look at it. Yeah. Um, but you could, you know, reasonably people could question the idea that, you know, you can help treat addiction by making more drugs legal. Right. And making yeah. them more available. And, uh, and there's some there's some studies in different countries that have done that. Um well, Portugal's the, the big one. Right. Where it's actually had reduced drug dependency and drug yeah. addiction. So it's interesting. It's that's interesting. a leap of faith that a lot of politicians are not willing to make, certainly not ones around here no. who have come out very strongly against it in, in this well, part of New York. What we need is that mayor of Toronto. Remember that guy? He looked like Chris Farley and he was always the, getting caught the, smoking crack. The crack smoker? Yes. What the hell was that? Rob? I don't remember. Somebody. He's, he died, I think, of cancer. No, yeah. stop it. Yeah. <gasps> Not of crack, but of cancer. We can't get him on the show, that means, unless we get the Ouija board. <gasps> Bringing it all together <laughs> for this. And that was Recovery in the News. Yeah. So funny, you know, we've been talking for like a little more than an hour and the phone's like blowing up with all like election shit. Nothing, nothing really. Anybody win yet? Not yet. All right. Um, that brings us to This Week in Weird. Um, this Week in Weird is a very strange one. I got this one from MysteriousUniverse.org. They have a really great podcast and a great section on the news. And this is a short one. Antarctic explorers recently discovered a piece of traditional English fruitcake in its original wrapper left behind by the British explorer Robert Falcon Scott during his 1910 to 1913 Terra Nova expedition. Wow. The area where it was found is home to over 400,000 Adeline penguins, proving that even penguins won't eat fruitcake. Hmm. And that was That's interesting. This week and weird. Um, Thank you for that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. This week in weird. That is uh, strange that fruitcake would survive so long, but I guess frozen, you could eat it. <laughs> I, did, I wonder if somebody tried to eat it. Wait, wh- why was this explorer carrying around English fruitcake? <laughs> well, he was English. You would. Okay. So, <laughs> they're all a bit fruitcakey, aren't they? Yeah, that wasn't as paranormal as I was hoping. I'll, no, I'll get them next I, time. I was expecting the fruitcake to do something. I, I know. Yeah. I got, maybe I should go back to Coast to Coast news. Um, all right. Well, anyway. folks, we've had a great show. We have. Um, I've enjoyed it. It's so great Enjoy to confessing do, uh, my <laughs> fucking sins. Yeah, I think we did all right. We're, uh, we're, we've got a big egg going out on the Dopey podcast to Friday night. Uh, so oh, yeah. listen for our new ad we think it's really great, and we should yeah we should have done this at the beginning of the show. Yeah. Welcome the people who found us through the Dopey Podcast. Yes. Welcome, welcome. If you're still listening, you're not listening. Thank you so much, and uh, follow us, rate us, uh, review us on Apple Podcasts. How about when this is over, we go do a little coke? Yeah, go to middleagesrecovery.com and tell us your story. We're looking forward to some great stories that we will read on the air and all good reviews and maybe some bad, but actually just good reviews. Uh, we will read on the air. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. Progress, not perfection. See you next time. Be good. Don't eat too much TV. Bye. Bye.